0: The Old Testament book of Proverbs reveals that there are three demolition artists who want to slam a wrecking bar into the tender lives that live in our homes. Today, our study leader, Dave Wortson is going to give us their names, their mug sheet, and some info from Proverbs that we need to give our kids that can protect them from these criminals that desire to destroy them. Let's join Dave and learn together how we can teach our kids to escape the clutches of these hitmen and have a safe drive through life. If you were a child and suddenly you got a letter in the mail and it said there's a contract on your life, if you're a teenager, you're a mom and dad, you're a single, and suddenly you found out that there is a contract on your life, this guy right here is out to get you. I mean, he's got his M16 silencer rifle all ready to go and he's going to pick you off. How would you respond to that? It would shake you up in your boots a little bit, wouldn't it? How would you respond if I said, I want you to come to church this Sunday because I'm going to tell you how you can be protected from that contract. If you come out this Sunday, I'm going to instruct you in how you can watch out for this fella who's out to get you. This fellow really is out to get us. Look at Proverbs chapter 2, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 12. It says that wisdom, the instruction that the wise counselor in the book of Proverbs has been trying to teach us, wisdom, God's skillful blueprint for living, will save you from the ways of wicked men. Men who do things that will harm you, that will hurt you. The word wicked is equal to the word to give you pain, to give you problems in your life and, and agony because their paths are paths of wickedness and pain and hurt that rebel against God. It says from men whose words are turned upside down. From men whose words are turned upside down. And before we proceed, I want to give you another look at this evil man. Because this man in the book of Proverbs, as you're reading it, and I do trust that you are reading the book, this evil man in the book of Proverbs is presented from one perspective as being a wicked man, a man who brings harm, a man who rejects the laws of God, the instructions of God, would be a very accurate way of presenting the idea of the standards of God in the book of Proverbs. But he's also presented in the book of Proverbs as being the ultimate fool in the book of Proverbs, there are four different words that are used for fools. The one word is the fool we've been introduced to who is the naive fool, the open-minded fool. There's a lot of hope for that young person because they still have their ears on. Though they, they're open-minded and they're leaning towards evil, they haven't committed themselves to that. And that's who primarily is the audience of the book. Then we have a scoffer. This is an individual that still cares enough to mock, to laugh, to scorn what wisdom's trying to teach. He's beginning to become harder and harder, but there's still hope for him. Because wisdom is calling out to him. So you start out being open-minded, naive, gullible, but still able to hear. Then if you become a person who begins to mock the instructions of the Word of God, you become a scoffer and you start to make fun of things that are very precious. But wisdom still calls out to you. But if you don't listen, you can make slide another notch down the pathway of foolishness and that is to become a moral dullard. You become complacent. You begin to rejoice in the idea that you do your own life. You live just a secular life. You don't really need the instructions of the Bible. You're a modern individual. You are a man or a woman of the world. And you don't need this religious baloney to get you through life. You don't need it as a crutch. and You become just morally complacent, spiritually ice. And that's the moral dollar. But there's still hope for the moral dollar. You might wake up from that stupor, that complacency, maybe you can come back and become a committed, wicked person because wisdom in Proverbs chapter one still calls out to even the moral dullard. So wisdom has as our audience, the naive fool, the scoffer and the moral dullard. But there's one fool that's mentioned in Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, who could be referred to as the impenetrable block. He's the thick, stubborn fool. The motto of our book is what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning, tell me. Wisdom. Tell me real loud. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of? Wisdom. Tell me again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of? Wisdom. But, in total contrast to the motto of the book, the foundation of the book, the purpose of the book, there's an impenetrable block. A thick, stubborn fool, the root word that's used for this fool means to be impenetrable, to be thick. And this fool despises, he abhors what is skillful, he abhors wisdom, and he abhors discipline. He abhors the gifts that the book wants us to obtain. The book starts out as its purpose to know skillful living wisdom which comes through discipline. The motto of the book tells us that there's an individual in the world who despises skillful living which comes through discipline. And this is the wicked individual, the wicked man who is introduced to us when we talk to you about how to escape the life of drugs, how to escape the life of living for illicit money. There is this ultra-criminal He is the ultimate hoodlum in the book of Proverbs. And he can also be called the ultimate fool, the impenetrable fool. Let me just sketch out for you quickly while we're here, bringing together some of what the book teaches us about this individual. First of all, like I've just been discussing with you in Proverbs 1, verse 7 and chapter 15, verse 5, we learn that his basic character is that he's hopelessly committed to foolishness. In other words, this fellow can't be reached. He's not going to respond. He's hopelessly committed to foolishness. What are some of his deficiencies? Chapter 10, verse 8 tells us that he's overly talkative. In other words, he's always talking. He talks constantly. His 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 tongue is always in gear. He's overly talkative, and he doesn't. He's not just a garrulous individual who just runs off at the mouth in undestructive things. He runs off at the mouth in things that are like poison. His tongue just drips sulfuric acid. He's overly talkative, but it's, a, it's an acidic tongue. He's also deceptive. When every one of you to listen, when you're listening to the impenetrable block, his tongue is incredibly deceptive. His words are upside down. If you've ever read Milton's Paradise Lost, there's a marvelous insight into the kinds of words that this wicked individual uses. This man's watchword is evil be thou my good. Evil be thou my capital G-O-O-D. Evil in this individual's mind is turned upside down and becomes good. Milton also describes the world of the dead as being a place, but all was false and hollow, though his tongue dropped manna and could make the worse appear the better for reason. You read that again. Because Proverbs 2, if you look at Proverbs 2, verse 12, it says these men's words are perverse. Now when you read the word perverse, you think of perversion you think of a pervert and you think of something that's twisted in regard to sexuality, which is true. But the word is being used in this context in a much bigger framework than sexuality. It's being used of everything that's turned upside down. Words that are false and hollow. Though its tongue might seem like it will feed you like God's manna. Young people, you're going to be exposed to wicked individuals whose tongue will drip honey. Their words will be twisted, but you'll think that it's the latest philosophy. You'll think that it's being progressive. You'll think that it's the new thing. You'll think it's the with it thing for the future. The words will drip like manna. It might even be from a religionist. You might even think that the words are coming from, quote, quote, a minister like myself. The words will drip manna. But in reality... They'll be false. The reason might be keen, but the reality of truth is lost. This individual is deceptive. He's overly destructive and he's involved in destructive speech. He won't listen. You can try to talk to this criminal and he doesn't have his ears on at all. He's easily angered. This individual has a short fuse. He's pugnacious. He'll come out with his fists flying. If you try to talk to him according to chapter 14, verse 9, about getting right with God, y'all saying, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. If this wicked individual is here today, he hears a song like that and he laughs. He mocks. How ridiculous. How foolish. Who would ever think of making a restitution, of turning around? You see, one of the greatest things in our lives is the opportunity to turn from wickedness. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, saved a worm like me. And brothers and sisters, those of you that have responded to God's grace, you've responded to that message. And as you've responded to that message, it's brought joy and life and meaning to your heart. The wicked individual does not rejoice at amazing grace. He laughs at amazing grace. He thinks it's foolish to repent and to feel that you might need to turn to God. He mocks restitution and he spurns his father. In fact, this evil individual starts out during his teenage years to curse his father, to reject his father, to laugh at his father. You know, there's a little bit of these characteristics in all of us. And I want to really stress that in my own mind and in your mind, the fact that we exhibit some of these qualities doesn't mean that we're hopeless. But it should cause us to realize how dangerous this kind of an attitude, these kind of bearings can be in our life. What's this fellow's destiny going to be? Where is this criminal going to end up? He's hopeless. That's the tragic thing. Proverbs 27, uses a marvelous illustration. Those of you that are chemistry, old chemistry majors like myself It says, though you grind him with a mortar and a pestle, he won't respond. And what is it talking about? Well, those of you that have had lab, remember you take that porcelain mortar, you take this porcelain like a dish, a shallow dish, and then you grind, you put some crystals in there, and you grind it around and around and around. How many of you have ever done that? What it's picturing is you can take this impenetrable fool, put him in, that mortar and pestle and you can grind him. You, the Life can just roll right over him. He can get hit by an 18-wheeler. But it doesn't wake him up. That's how hopeless he is. He's impenetrable. He doesn't respond. He'll be given over to slavery. In other words, a culture, an individual, a people who starts to become involved in this kind of wickedness will become slaves. They should be punished. In chapter 10, verse 21, tells us that ultimately... This fellow is going to die. This individual is going to die. But this fellow is out to get you. In the book of Proverbs, he's not a neutral guy that just sits out there doing his own thing. He wants to get you. He wants to get me. You'll be exposed to him in life. Now, before we proceed further, I was speaking on this impenetrable fool one day, and an individual came up to me afterwards, and he was just weeping he sat down in the front row and he said, I am that impenetrable fool. Now that's a heavy thing to say. And I said, why do you think that you're you're that impenetrable fool? He said, because I have a lot of those characteristics. I've been a missionary for many years. You know, one of the holy people. We always put missionaries up in another category. But brothers and sisters of the church family don't do that. They're people like you. And this dear missionary said, you know, Dave, I've been a missionary in the foreign field for many, many years. But from the time that I was an adolescence, pornography is something that I worship. I mean, you talk about creative ways on the mission field with a bunch of godly people around you. It takes real guile and real cunning to be able to sneak somehow so you can catch a glimpse of it. And this thing just controls my life. I just can't conquer And that's why I'm an impenetrable fool, because here I'm a missionary. Here I'm someone that should represent God, and and, and I can't get a handle on this. And then he just broke down. His shoulders were just heaving. Now, was he the impenetrable fool? He had some of the characteristics. Yes. Don't we all? You see, we all like to pretend. All of you have an idea that ministers and And missionaries and professional people in the ministry, they don't have the problems that you have, but they do. And so did that dear missionary. The tragedy is that nobody ever created an environment where he could go to somebody and admit, hey, I really need help. I need an elder that I can confess my faults to, that we can be honest about this thing so that we can start to get some scriptural insight into this thing. We need to wrestle with this terrible evil that's trying to strangle the spiritual life of this dear, dear fellow soldier in the family of God. But in his environment, you couldn't ever be honest like that. But was he that impenetrable fool? No. You say, Dave, how do you know that? Because impenetrable fools don't cry over evil. They laugh over evil. Impenetrable fools don't come up after a meeting and talk to someone that just declared the Word of God to them and say, help me! Something's got to give. I want God! Impenetrable fools don't do that. They laugh at restitution. Those tears coursing down that grown man's face said there was still a tender heart there. Now, I know there's fake-out tears. I'm not naive. I know there's tears that can flow like the gusher. And they're all just fake out. But not in this individual's life. They were the real thing. And we were able to go on and share some principles. And it's a very deep struggle. But by the grace of God, we can be delivered from something like that. And I, I mention that because as we talk about the impenetrable fool, one of the most important things I, that I don't want to communicate to you is that you are hopeless. That you can't make it. I'll never make that judgment about your life. I'll let the Lord Jesus make that judgment. The Lord Jesus can look at the impenetrable fool like a Pharisee. By the way, the impenetrable fool can even be a minister, quote, quote. I'll let Jesus make the judgment that you've committed the unpardonable sin. You've hardened your heart so badly that you cannot respond to the message of God's grace. You let Jesus make that judgment on people. But if there's a tenderness, if there's a softness, if there's a desire to respond at all, it shows that the Holy Spirit is still wooing. Maybe some of you have begun to walk firmly towards becoming this committed wicked person. Maybe you have some loved ones in your family and oh, how we need to cry out to God for them, how we need to pray for them. But my primary thrust, according to Proverbs 2 today, is to try to protect the children I want to protect the teenagers, I want to protect the singles, I want to protect the adults from being conned by being stolen, by being abused, by being hurt by this wicked individual. Please get a firm handle on what he's like. It says in verse 13 that he leaves the straight paths to walk in darkness. Have you ever been in total darkness when Mir and I went into the inner space cave with the children? They flipped off the lights and they said, let me show you total darkness. And some of you are shaking your head and said, I remember seeing that. Can you imagine the first guy that went into the cave? In other words, they lowered a guy. They drilled a hole from, from the interstate that they were getting ready to build. And they lowered a guy down into this cave. Now, can you imagine something going wrong and his flashlight drops and he loses the rope? You ever thought about that? I thought about that. Can you imagine? He loses the rope. He loses his light. And here he is down in a cavern in total darkness. I mean, as you're walking down through the cavern, there's some places where you can just plunge hundreds of feet into, into who knows what. There's portions of the cave that still haven't been explored yet and you're down there crawling on your hands and knees through this cave in total darkness. That's dangerous, man. And that's what it's like to live as this evil individual. Children, it's not fun out there. Please understand that. And moms and dads, let's give the young people fun here. Jesus is fun. Jesus is laughter. Jesus is joy. Jesus is a meaningful life. Jesus is the one who makes you sing. Jesus is the one that makes you happy. Jesus is the light. Satan's always playing an upside down game. Some of our kids raised in our church family, they think it's fun out there. It's dark out there. It's dark to disobey God. It's dark to associate with evil men. And Mother dad, don't be afraid to protect your children from some of those influences. Don't be afraid to check out where your kids are going to go and who they're going to be with. This evil man is out there. Don't be naive. Not everybody's a good guy. This guy's really there. Don't let your children get into his grasp. Don't let them walk in darkness. And don't you walk in darkness. You know, while I've got you, see, now I've got your ears. Well, I've got to go for it. I've got to plead with you because I know how easy it is to lose your ears. I know what it's like to watch someone that I tried to teach and they began to respond, but then they, they get seduced by this evil man and they walk into another world and they lose their ears for spiritual things. They don't even want to see me. And they start to walk in waves of darkness. And one of the agonies of the pastorate is to watch people that you love very dearly get beat up in the realm of darkness because he'll beat you up. He is a criminal. He is an evil man. Las Vegas is just a small expression. The hoods and the hoodlums of the mafia in New York are just small expressions of this tremendous octopus of evil that wants to destroy us. Don't walk in the ways of darkness. This guy... He has a perverse mouth. He has a dark lifestyle. But look at verse 14. He delights in doing what is wrong. He delights in doing what is wrong. Now, that's incredible. He rejoices in the perversity of evil, the crookedness, the twistedness of evil. In other words, to do evil is like a good meal for this individual. Can you believe that? This individual loves to do what is wrong. He has an appetite for eating worms. He has an appetite for eating catfish bait. He has an appetite for doing what would repulse most of you. That's the idea. You see, God wants to give you a taste. God wants to give you an appetite for what is good and what is precious and what will will meet your needs. Satan wants to give you an appetite for evil. And he'll give you a can of worms every time. This evil man rejoices. It it just delights their heart to do what is perverse. Their paths are crooked and they are devious in all their ways. This man's lifestyle is a path that is twisted and perverted and gets off the pathway that the Lord wants to give us. The verses 12 through 15 give us a warning. And what's our protection from this individual? We're going to talk about deliverance from the evil woman. But what's our protection from these individuals? The text tells us earlier, it says, Then you will know the fear of the Lord. Last week I talked to you about the need to receive and to listen, to have receptive ears to have a retentive mind, and to have a diligence like going on a treasure hunt, a requesting mouth that would pray, but then you put effort into it. And I want to challenge you, you'll never really get into the book of Proverbs unless you put the diligent, disciplined effort into doing it. And you say, why should I put that kind of effort in? Because only if you... Put that kind of effort in, the kind of effort that a man puts into making money or a woman puts into making money, the kind of effort that a treasure hunter puts in to getting a treasure. That's the only way that you can learn the principles which will protect you. You see, what wisdom wants to do in verse 10, it says that wisdom will enter into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. What it's saying, instead of being like the wicked individual who has an appetite for evil, you'll become a committed person who has an appetite for good. What I think we need to join together and pray about today is that the Lord Jesus will give us an appetite for good. That our meal, that what we'll like to eat, what will be pleasant to our soul, is good and righteous. Now, brothers and sisters, I close with this. The only way that we can be preserved from the wicked one is by having the Lord Jesus come to live in our life. I don't want you to ever forget that. As we're studying the book of Proverbs, it's easy to get caught up into teaching you about morality, and I need to do that. And about teaching you about the correct way, the correct path, the correct Course of life, be protected from the ways of darkness. Don't walk in the dark way, but I want to always remind you that it's only by coming to the light, it's only by coming to the individual who said, I am the light of the world that we can be protected.